Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. Good afternoon, everybody. Tony, what's going on? Uh, nothing. You like got to throw back to college right now with your backwards cap. For those of you that can't see, which is everyone, everyone. John's wearing his uh, hat backwards. I don't even know what kind of hat it is. It looks like uh, all I can see is it's a gray one. He's got the snapback. Yeah. Yeah, man. Face for radio. Uh, yes, indeed. That's true. <laughs> I also have radio hair right now. It's COVID and I have been quarantining preparation for the holidays. So I look like real redneck. So that's great. nice. Nice. Yeah, my wife is thrilled. I look like a Florida tenant, actually, is what I look like. So, nice. We're actually, I hear we're going to take a break from the Florida tenant for today because we have a new segment. Yeah. We're what is the new segment? Uh, I think we're going to do stay or go. Uh, Whoa. Hosted by stay your host, or go. Hosted by your host, Tony Angotti. That's me. So um, what's what's the idea behind this? What are we doing? <laughs> I feel like I should be more more organized. No, it was my idea. So you're going to list off a couple of different types of tenants, and I'm going to guess for a million uh, B-free RE bucks whether they should be renewed or not, or I guess... What's the exchange rate on a B-free RE buck? It's exactly as low as you think it is. Okay. Brought to you by Cabinet Jacks. <laughs> I thought it was mechanical screwdrivers today. Oh, no. <laughs> mechanical screwdrivers? It's not even the automatic ones. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, okay. Just a regular screwdriver you have to turn. So we got a few, a few situations inspired by tenants of yours truly. Um, all right. So you got a tenant in a multifamily building that has allowed her kids to overflow her tub three times and destroy the apartment below her ceiling three times. And she's fussing because you told her that the next time she does it, she will pay for the repair. Is this someone that you would re uh, renew or not renew? Stay or go? <laughs> Uh, I would not be uh, renewing. We will be renewing. Um, because she pays, <laughs> she pays, she pays good rent. And actually, we uh, she's been a good tenant, and we um, we are renewing because we actually are replacing the ceiling that she has been destroying with a drop ceiling, so that if it happens again, no damage really. And we're actually doing that in all of our apartment buildings, um, because. We've had this not just with her, but with others and I'm sick right. of re-drywalling ceilings. So there's one. Z O for one. You're O, o for one. one on the reality situation. Okay. Tenant number two. <laughs> this tenant did some great things for the building. They went outside the front of the building and they uh, planted some flower flower beds. Um, they put some hanging plants in. They planted a tree in the front yard. And they did all this on their own volition. And the way I found this out was by driving by. Additionally, they also have a refrigerator in the basement with a lock on it that is um, conveniently plugged in with an extension cord <laughs> to the outlet coming out of their box. So they're not stealing electricity. However, they are using common space. So this tenant also pays routinely. 
generally follows the rules, does that sort of thing. So, stay or go. So, they planted flowers for you, but they have a refrigerator that you don't like. Is that the summary? Uh, Sort of. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Would, I would keep that person. You're 0 for 2. There we go. I don't like that. So, number one, <laughs> the dude, like, planted all these flowers and plants and stuff outside, which look nice, but... Here's the kicker, like when this guy, if he would eventually leave, we would need to find someone to maintain that. So this person just created like a maintenance task for me. Additionally, I don't know why this person thinks that they have like free reign of all the common spaces to do whatever they will. Like that's not cool. So this person is a is a not renew. Um, oh, wow. I don't like people that think that they like own the place. If it's a single family home, it's not bad. There you go. <laughs> Sound effects brought to you by automatic screwdrivers. Um, okay, we'll do we'll do one more here. All right. Let me think of a good one. Um, okay, so I'm gonna give you a toss up because you're over too. All right, so tenant has a son that lives with them. The son robs a bank. Goes. <laughs> Through a police chase in Frick, in uh, in not not Frick Park. It isn't realistic, you know. Wrong people, but goes through a police chase all across the city. Comes back to the place. The FBI goes through the building and gets information from everybody. And then the person eventually says um, that the voices in their head made them do this. Mm. And um, then they go to jail because their voices in their head were deemed to be illegitimate. And they really just wanted to rob a bank. And um, they stopped paying for like three months, even though they presumably had bank money hidden away. Right. I mean, I don't know. I guess the police took it probably, but who knows? Um, so long story short, tenant stays or goes? Uh, goes to jail. Goes, yes. All right. And guess what happened in that situation? The um, tenant who was left, the lady, she, mid getting like kicked out, had a stroke and went to the hospital and was like, fine. And then she came back. And the hospital made us keep her for an additional two months of not paying because she was unfit to move to a new apartment. This is after like drug dealers coming to the property, robbing a bank, all those other things. This is inherited tenant. The police knew about this whole situation, knew that they were like bad news, still had to keep them. So that took like five months to get rid of that person. They were trained by Lenny, but more as far as incompetence they were not as they were not as competent as Lenny but real life situation you're 33% ding ding yeah well so that's been the addition of stay or go yeah wow all right that was a good one um, yeah if you ever want to call in with some tenants that you're wondering if you should keep or not keep we will uh discuss them on on the show solid so today we have greg uh who's writing in from somewhere in florida tony what's a florida place we'll write in uh i'm gonna look up florida town fill us with entertainment okay uh the town that this person is from is we're gonna say port port st lucie yeah, that's a picture of a golf course, so he's calling from a... I guess they all have golf courses. Are there any towns in Florida that don't have golf courses? I'm not the one to ask, but uh, I'll assume not. Probably Kissimmee. Safe. Kissimmee probably doesn't have one. Or Lake City. Oh, man, I got all of Florida cities now. I'm ready. 
All right. Support St. Lucie. All right, there he is, for whatever that was. Uh, and he wants to know, how many offers will it take me to land a large multifamily? Okay. Um, so I think that this question is really thought, being thought about incorrectly. Um, if you're making a bunch of offers and getting turned down, you're not being very efficient in your offer process. So the first thing that you need to do is revisit the criteria of the building that you're looking for. So you should really only bring on buildings that can meet what you're looking for. And if you're offering on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them and not getting a deal, that means you're looking at stuff that it, your criteria is not tight enough. You really need to find like a niche or a something to stick to and go after that. Now, it will take some offers, but eventually, you know, it's more about finding something that fits that that box that you've made for yourself and your percentage should go up much higher from like maybe one in 200 or one in 100 to like one in 10. And then you should be, you know, going down the due diligence path in, in like one in 10, um, something like that. Okay. So your advice is essentially you need to use your acceptance rate to calibrate how reasonable you're being. And then you also have to have a very specific like strike zone in mind. You can't do like Yeah. That. Pretty much. Like if you're if you have a very low acceptance rate, then you're probably just not looking at you're either not analyzing the buildings properly or you're just not looking at the right deals for yourself. And what does a reasonable kind of uh, like strike zone look like? This is like uh, I only want stuff that's after 1980 that meets this kind of criteria. That could be it. I mean, you can work it in um, generally like area, like location is, is a good preference. Um, asset class, like if you're looking at, you know, office buildings, self-storage, like you're just looking at all these opportunities, you're never really going to hone in your numbers. Um, you should have an idea of like kind of return figures that you want, how much work it should have, all these sorts of things. And then you really need to document all that stuff and then run all the deals against that before you even start talking about offers. Um, because just throwing numbers out in a vacuum. Number one, if you're offering ludicrously low all the time, you're going to lose the confidence of the broker that you're working with. Like if you're finding deals through brokers, if you're not serious, seriously making offers, then they're going to stop bringing you deals. I mean, uh, why would they? They're just going to take the deals to people that they know are going to actually like offer something reasonable. Um, but yeah, those are some things like area, asset class, how much of a project it is, return amount, um, that sort of thing. All right. There we go. That makes a lot of sense to me. So you're welcome, Greg, from wherever city you're from. All right, Tony. <laughs> Port St. Lucie. There you go, Port St. Lucie. Let's shift gears into something we learned this week. So I learned that actually um, I heard somebody, it was kind of a sales pitch um, that was made to a colleague of mine. But he was looking for somebody to manage snow removal on the property. And the person pitched it as basically like liability shifting. So the person's contract says that they're responsible for snow removal for a certain amount of money and that um, they carry liability insurance in case somebody would slip on ice or something. And then the claim could go through their liability insurance. So in a way, this... Um, hiring someone while more expensive than like doing it yourself or having a tenant do it for you or something like that could be a good way to shift 
liability in your like cold weather type properties. I don't know that I'll do it because we have like a employee that works for us that does this sort of thing. But if you're kind of like in a middle ground of portfolio where you don't have an employee or something, having that kind of liability protection is kind of nice because the most likely, I don't know if it's the most likely, but probably one of the most frivolous type lawsuits is the the like slip and fall slip cases, and right? Yeah. And I mean, if you can have something else to pass on that liability to, that that could be nice. And again, I mean, not legal advice or anything, but it sounded like a good idea. So I don't know. No. Interesting idea. Well, mine is nothing like that. Mine is a little bit more of the be free aspect of things where we are starting to get to a place where uh, things are working for us with the real estate side of it, and we're getting a little more on the free aspect. And it's actually making all of our other commitments much more enjoyable. So if my boss is upset at me or things are going wrong with my wife's company, it's just way less stressful because we know we have this other stuff that's working for us and it, it is just less critical and less important and it's much easier to take the bumps and stride and it has been a really welcome uh development in our lives just in terms of like has nothing really to do with real estate honestly this started even before we were doing particularly well but just not having all our eggs in one basket makes like the job stuff way less critical in terms of your mental health and everything so uh i think even if you you know have no aspiration to quit your job or anything uh doing some amount of like income diversification with real estate is just uh can really help just sleep better, honestly. Yeah. The other thing that's cool on that point that I was talking with a friend about recently, um, my friend is to his like third property. He'll be probably going after his fourth soon. And we were talking about how it's nice even whenever you have only like four or five properties, which doesn't sound like a lot. But the nice thing is that you can basically rest assured that as long as you don't do something totally dumb, your retirement is more or less like funded because I mean, even five properties, if they're each worth $150,000 or something, and you started out a bit younger, that means by the time you're in your 50s and 60s, those things are going to be paid off and you've captured all that equity. The tenants have paid for it for you. If you want to keep the cash flow, you keep the cash flow. But if you want to sell them, you've basically created a nest egg of like $600,000 plus whatever you saved in your 401k. It makes retirement planning kind of like a no-brainer almost because they're almost the properties work kind of like the way the way to think about it is the tenants are paying down the loan for you. And even if the property doesn't go up in value at all, that principal pay down is like a a paid for savings account basically. Yeah. So it's like that part of it, even with a few properties, even one property is like a significant chunk of your your retirement savings. And I know that people say not to bank on appreciation, but not expecting any appreciation over 30 years is kind of, that would be crazy. So <laughs> you'll, you'll probably see some growth, even if it's not outsized. Yeah. I mean, also, like, it's not like you're just stuck with a property for 30 years. You know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if you feel like things are changing, you sell it or you adjust, you know, it's not. A, but yeah, I mean, that's the great part of home ownership. I think in a lot of places, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But but uh, if you do own a house, um, you always have this embedded. Say, I mean, it's the it is essentially the American nest egg. That is how yeah. much people actually generate wealth. So, and it's even nicer when it's a rental property because the tenants paid for it for you. Yeah, that's a uh, man. All right, that's great. Yeah, we're doing that. We're trying to do that for our daughter, a college fund. Nice. Similar story, different approach. All right, man. 
Well, Tony, where can they find more about you? At 412Agent on Instagram, and they can call into the podcast to ask us questions to learn more about us. So what number do they call? 412-212-8366. That's 412-212-8366. New by the mall. Yeah. We need like a jingle. 388 Empire. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Yep. Thanks. See you.